You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the Concession Stand. This is a very, very special bonus episode. I am your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? Hello. Uh, this is going to be one of those kind of offshoots that I hope we do a lot of in the future, yeah. uh, specific to a particular film or project or what a game maybe in the future we do those. But uh, this one is going to be Going Rogue, talking all about Rogue One. And we are giving you a big forewarning that we are going to talk heavily in excruciating detail about Rogue One. So if you have not seen the film, this is, this, we're doing this one separately so that we keep it out of the normal episodes. But go see it, come back, listen. If you have seen it, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, but we can't do anything without a Stone Cold Salute! I said give me a hell yeah! Oh, oh yes. Even in the special episodes, we have to give salutes. It's always special. So, again, like Nick said, we're not going to sit here and do a, a, a plot breakdown. We're not going to tell you exactly what happened in the movie. Nope. We're assuming that you have seen this at this point. So we're just going to talk about it and things that we liked and things that we didn't like, which weren't that many for me. Um, let's preface it by saying I saw it the one time with you. Mm-hmm. You've seen it twice. Yes. I've, I've said on other podcasts, uh, typically when I go see a movie, I just go see it and enjoy it. Yep. And then I usually like to see it a second time. Uh, and give it a critical eye the second time. Yes. I didn't get a chance to do that. You did. So I'm going to be relying on you a lot to to remind me of things maybe that I didn't catch uh, sure. in the first time. So sure. let's just let's put that out there from the beginning. Um, but tell me about, we'll just start with this, your general feelings about Rogue One, and then I'll tell you what I thought. Well, I went into this, and I, and I, was, I think I said this on a, a show leading up to it, was I think this could become my favorite Star Wars movie. And it hasn't. But it's very, very close second. I st- you know, it, 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 Empire Strikes Back is still the penultimate for me as yeah. far as far as Star Wars movies goes. But th- the beauty of this one is that it felt like a Star Wars movie. The character development was fantastic without getting into crazy background and all of that kind of stuff. It, it, you just they threw you right in. Right? Yeah, and I loved that. Um, the the diversity of the characters, and you still saw all the crazy alien creatures as mm-hmm. well, right? And, yep. But none of that really needed to be explained. It's a Star Wars movie. It's sci-fi. You're going to have a lot of that stuff. Um, I I thought the pacing, I thought the space battles, I, I thought the the story itself, the Wheats and Gilroy script was brilliant. Uh, it filled a lot of gaps that we're going to talk about between. Uh, some some of the other episodes yep. and how we got to certain things that were in the original trilogy. So I have tons and tons of great things to say about this film, um, and we're going to go through a lot of those. What about you? What, what were your kind of general takeaways and wow moments? I, I think we could both agree that of the two of us, I'm I'm the Star Wars nut job, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I I like you went into this movie expecting the absolute best, just like I do with every Star Wars movie. Um, episodes one, two, and three, I was a little bit let down, still like them for what they are, still like them to this day. Rogue One, you set these high expectations in your head, did the whole media blackout, didn't want to see stuff, and then I went and saw the movie with you, with our buddy Brad, with our, my wife, our wife, (laughs) uh, uh, and, and I came out 
ecstatic. I loved it. I had the same sort of like, yes, feeling that I did with episode seven as well. And, and, and all of these movies, um, it felt like a, I didn't have the opening crawl at the beginning, right? So, but we still had the Lucasfilm logo, and we still had. So we just knew it was a Star Wars movie, and they 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 let you know right away. The first thing we see is we're down on a planet. We see uh, a little kid, and we see parents and all that moisture stuff. farm. Sure, yeah. It feels we're 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 in familiar territory yeah. here, and and honestly, for anybody, this should not be the first Star Wars movie they see. Sure. It shouldn't. Um, because you need to know that backstory. You could potentially watch it one, two, three, Rogue One, four, five, six, if you want. But um, I think there's there's little things right off the bat, like uh, uh, director Krennic, Orson Krennic, played by Ben Mendelsohn, who was just amazing as the baddie in this movie. He's got the white imperial coat which we hadn't seen a white imperial coat mm. but he still had like the blue and red bars over his his their medals or their yeah, rank his, his, or whatever his, yeah that is. so you knew that this guy was important he played it like a bad guy so you kind of know right away where we're at and and I, and the whole movie is just chock full of like little things that they drop in um obviously you know you see a stormtrooper outfit you see ships you see things that we're very familiar with so you you never really kind of question anything we could go back and be like oh why is that what is that character's backstory and i'm sure it'll end up on wikipedia at some point point. <laughs> that's that's not a joke that's a real thing you know? oh my god yeah i've never heard of that yes it's wikipedia if you ever have a question about star wars and, and like even things <laughs> that awesome. there's no way that that somebody would know you know it yeah, yeah. so um I, I loved it. Uh, I loved the way that it all ends. Uh, we can just talk about that right now. I mean, everybody dies. That's never happened in a Star Wars <laughs> yeah. movie. Everybody dies. Yep. And all of these characters that you grow to like fight for something, which is what rebels do. Yep. And you get to a point where it ends literally minutes before Star Wars, A New Hope starts. We're moments away from that happening. Yep. And the first thing I wanted to do when I got out of the theater was go, but drop that disc in, you know, even have I've you done it, it since I have me too. Uh, I have. And, and it works. Yeah, it, it works in, in like a really cool way. And I want to talk about some of that specifically. Um, so let's, let's talk about uh, a little bit of the backstory is, or the main plot line or through line is, um, the, the main character, Felicity Jones, Jen, uh, Jen Urso, yeah. Jen Urso is her character's name. Her father, Galen Urso, is the guy that has designed the Death Star. Right. Literally. He's the guy that is responsible. He's the he's the architect, right? <laughs> so the whole plot of the movie is to get Jen Urso to talk to Galen to get the plans to blow up the Death Star, which we see in episode four, right? Yeah, but we don't get there without some sort of like trouble and strife or a, a typical sure. theme in, in Star Wars movies where there is Hoops a to jump through. There's a hero that has either lost their parents or in this case watched their parents die and then they've right. gone off and then suddenly get thrown into a heroic situation yeah. and then have to solve oh, you know, Uncle ben. solve. They have to save the day is basically what happens. Right. One it, of the things that, that we took away from this though is that it the the through lines of this film gave so much more weight to uh, a lot of the things, two in particular, uh, that I want to talk about right now is the um, w- one of the things you brought to my attention was the vulnerability of the Death Star always seemed like a goofy, silly side joke. Right. Like how they've done this twice now in the original trilogy. They've got two friggin' Death Stars now with the same exact vulnerability. How, how could this happen, right? They've blown it up that t- t- two times. Well, now this shows us exactly why that vulnerability existed and that it was all an inside job. Yeah. Right, and the the main uh, protagonists here, Galen and Jen Erso, are the ones that you know kind of expose that either by building it or exposing it or taking it to the rebels by getting getting the plans from Scarif. Right, right. So I think that really just that makes Episode Four in one way, and there's several ways, much more profound. So when I watched Episode Four again afterwards, it, um, it, I saw it in a whole new light. Right? Yeah. 
Um, what about you? Is is that a is it's that something that really stood out? The moment in Star Wars: A New Hope when Princess Leia puts those plans into R 2s head, there is so much more weight behind that because so many people yep. died, and just the effort to get that little card to her and then to R two, the just the amount of things that had to go right, you know, and and whether or not the force was involved, um, is. <laughs> Is a really cool thing. And you brought up the point, like, when Vader comes through the door in Star Wars New Hope, he's really mad. He's yelling at the guys, like, we got to get down there. we got to get the plans. Uh. I want those plans. Yeah. And, no. and when we saw it in the 70s, it works because he's just a bad guy and they got to go get that stuff. But now it's like, we really have to get that because they have there's something there that's going to take us all down, maybe. He didn't right? catch him in time and, and uh, the ship got away and he's just, oh, blast, you know, just right. really upset. So when he, he bl- comes blur- barreling through that door in episode four and the opening... It really just it has all that gravitas now, and he's force choking you know the guy on the ship trying to get the plans from him. And it's at the end of New uh, Rogue One, we see the guys you know handing off the the plans cartridge or whatever as Vader is through just those things right? decimating all right. of them, which is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's, it's just it's the there's memes going around with just the whole uh, just open mouth <laughs> yeah. uh, mouth agape as uh, as you're watching that just and one of the things that you brought up was that. Uh, we hadn't seen like full power Vader yet in any of the movies. No, we'd right? seen like like the Force Unleashed video game when like he could walk the room and move stuff and throw lightsabers yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah, we'd yeah. seen like, oh man, it'd be so cool if he did that in a movie. He did. He just did it. And it's just like every <laughs> fanboy on the planet. Like there's nobody in the world that doesn't love that scene. Yeah, everybody, and it's just, I think, just crap. Vader at like full power. But wiping it was like this people. almost like this video game of him just choking and throwing and slashing and lightsaber just all this stuff and it was i can't imagine how many takes that took yeah the stunts involved sure the, all, all of the the rigging work and everything that they had to do but on the flip side is we're enjoying all of vader being a badass we're also like rooting for the guys that are just struggling to get this you know to get this card through the door just as the blast door is closing behind them and to yep. get it up this person we're watching it getting handed off like a like a like a football essentially like, you know, hot like potato. it's like a relay yeah, yeah hot potato, relay like a, race that's, yeah, a good, yeah. that's kind of what it was and we get up to that point where we eventually gets to leia and and uh it's awesome <sighs> And that's the other thing. We'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, but uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about here is is some of the the nostalgia, and specifically around uh, planets that we revisited from previous films. Yep. So you know, as you said earlier, assuming we're going to assume that you guys have seen all the other Star Wars movies, and just talk about it that way. So um, one of the big things was we got to go back to Mustafar. Yeah. Which, if you don't remember, is the planet from Episode Three, mm-hmm. where uh, the lava planet, where yep. the epic battle between Anakin and Obi Wan happened and mm-hmm. Anakin ultimately falls jumps into the fire Obi-Wan slashes him tells him not to do it but yep. he does it anyway of course and we see him ultimately be saved by the emperor right. Palpatine right uh, get put into his special suit we see the ending of episode 3 the the birth of Darth Vader no. right? yeah, uh. yeah. <laughs> But weren't but weren't you always wondering? Well, what did Vader do between Episode Three and Episode Four? Yeah, like all of a sudden he just shows up on the ship and he's blasting through shit, looking for plans to something. I did. Right. The, the through line was there. This is why this film is so important, and it, why I love it so much is because it connected those dots so well and so seamlessly. But yeah, we got to go back to Mustafar. We got to see uh, a couple of different shots. We got to see that Darth Vader hangs out in like a, an aquarium or the back to tank, which the is the same thing. The back to tank, that like re like life regenerating thing that Luke's in, in, uh, in empire strikes back. That's Remember right. Luke's in his underwear and he's got the scuba tank on, but that's yep. called a back to tank. Right. 
So we get the giant tank of Neosporin that just heals you. Sure, <laughs> sure. but that that was kind of cool, and and we get a reason to go back there because uh, Grand Moff Tarkin makes an appearance, or Governor Tarkin, or whatever you want to call. He's based, governor in Rogue One. It, at this point, yeah. Apparently, it's the same thing. I did some research on Wikipedia, but oh, uh, it is the same. It thing. is okay. the same thing, but he's like the head of the governors, so he's the Grand Moff of the governors, and gotcha. he's, he's the governor of the governors, right? Yes. So he is the guy that's basically in charge of the Death Star, just like we found out in Episode Four. And director Krennic, again, uh, this the main baddie in this movie, right. he goes off to, he's like, I don't think Vader's going to like that. So he goes over to Mustafar, to the castle. And Vader's got a sweet castle. Like, I yeah, wonder he what he does with all that space, because he's in a back to tank the whole time. He doesn't have visitors. Why does he need all that room? There's an interesting story. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll, there's a whole big backstory that one of the creative EPs of the film, of the project, uh, did a big write-up. I think it was on movieplot.com. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes for you guys for this episode. But um, they originally weren't going to have this in Rogue One. And they needed a way to get Vader into the film. So they wrote in a part where Director Krennic goes and gets him. And originally it just started with the back-to-tank scene. You know, close quarters. Didn't really need to build a big set or, you know, a VFX shot. Uh, And eventually they, on the the side, the creative VFX guys just started building this castle. Cool. And it turned into this series of monoliths. And then they added the lava. And then they just said, well, why don't we just make it Mustafar where he died? And that can be like his home base in the universe, right? Right. You know, the place where he was born is now the place where he lives and, course, and rejuvenates. And it's that, his mecca. And like in like in in like uh, character archetypes, of course, like the devil is going to live in like a fiery hell-like yes. place yes. with spiky things. Yeah, I mean, it, it works aesthetically for sure. Yeah, totally. I'm so glad that they, uh, they were able to work that in. Um, but wait, wasn't there a moment when they send Director Krennic there and we start to see like this, we see, we see a shot of the castle and then we see this guy in like a black cloak walking towards a door. Didn't you think for a moment that that was Palpatine like going to get him or something? Mate, like, kinda, yeah, like that was my first thought because it's like, oh, oh, it's Palpatine. And then the door opens and there's like people there that are taking care of him, including the red dudes, the Emperor's Royal yes, Guards, the Imperial Guards. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, they're like, they're watching over the back to tank. Right. That, so that was in the, in the timeline. If you include Rogue One in the one through seven timeline. Sure. Those guys didn't really appear, I think, until, until episode six. Six, six, you're right. We don't see them until the Emperor's Throne I thought they might six. have come. Yeah, that's right. So interesting to see them there. That makes me ask the question, is this a Vader creation or was it an Emperor creation or was the Emperor loaning some super de- super bad Imperial guards to watch over Vader? Technically, those guys, and that's one of my favorite Star Wars figures of all time that I had yes. as a kid, by the way. Um, those guys were called Emperor's Royal Guard. and they So sure, we can speculate that he sent them there to just watch over while he's in a back-to-tank and can't defend himself. Sure, okay. because those guys... They they came with like a staff, like a like a pointy staff. That yeah. was their weapon. The figure had that. So maybe they were just going to take out people with that spear if they showed up. Sure. I don't know. So Krennic shows up to go get Vader, and then we finally get James Earl Jones being Vader. Even though another dude played Vader in the in the suit, and that's another story. But and he has an iconic line. It's something like, "I see your Schwartz is as big as mine." Right? <laughs> uh, no. But uh, uh, I think you're confusing a couple of different movies. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, but we get the classic, like, uh, just Vader being a badass and just being stoic and like, oh, and up to this point, we've established that Krennic is just a dick, right? Yeah, He's, yeah. He, he kills uh, he kills Jin's mother. He sends Galen off from his moisture farm. It's like he forces him to go back, like, finish the Death Star because that's what you're supposed to do. And we're the Empire. And that's what we say. Nah, nah, nah. We're dictators and blah, blah, blah. Right. So when he goes down and he's basically put in his place by Vader, it's like, awesome. 
He even chokes him, and he even comes up with a classic Vader pun line, like, uh, 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 choke on your aspirations, or whatever he says. Be careful not to choke yeah, that's on it. your aspirations. <laughs> yeah. That's our, as hor- he's forced that's our horrible James Earl Jones. We'll never be able to do it. But <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the last that we see of Vader until the end, which is fine. Now, that's all the fun stuff that we talk about. Let's get into like the, the actual um, nods to some of the other stuff. Like, yes, we've, we've established the Vader stuff. Yes, the Grand Moff Tarkin stuff. We could talk about the CGI about that later. But there's some other things that we see that are sort of like little like, hey, Easter eggs to our, you know, the Star Wars nut people like me. Yep. Can you remember a couple of them? Uh, well, one other planet I wanted to talk about that we got back oh, to yeah, was, uh, yeah, pronounce it for me, Yadin 4? Yavin 4. Yeah. Yavin 4. Um, this is kind of home base for the rebels, and the reason that this is important to me, we were having this deep discussion about uh, what other side shoot kind of movies we could do, and we'll talk about some of those towards the end here. But um, one of them was I never really understood like where the rebels came from. Right, like there was never really it was they just showed up one day. Right? Sure, and I think one of the things that it's, they're using to fill that gap is the new animated series Star Wars Rebels. Yep. Which is now in its third season. Yeah, they just—they're halfway through the third season. Yeah, so we're getting ready to get the second half of the third, which is something I haven't watched yet. I want to go back and watch that now because they're showing exactly what my question was, and um, so I'm going to go back and watch that and be yeah, ready for. And now I'm excited for for season three. They're back oh, half of man, it. Oh man, yes. Uh, so real quick on Star Wars Rebels, I know this is the real yep. one show. Uh, I watched season one. Uh, it's all based on those characters that they created probably to sell action figures. And then as we get into season two, we start to see Vader again, voiced by James Earl Jones, which is really cool. Yes. Um, and we start to see other characters we know. So in uh, uh, season three, we're going to see Saw Gerrera, who is a big, important character in this movie. Why? Um, and there's some debate on that. Th- there's Well, yeah, let's preface this a little bit by saying there's been a lot of backlash by people not understanding what really – Force Whitaker's character Saw Gerrera was even doing in the movie, and I didn't really pay that much attention to this in the first time, first viewing. But in the second viewing, it is an absolutely pivotal moment where the first, the second half of the first act of the film is trying to is Jen trying to get to. I have to get to Saw Gerrera. To for some reason we don't really know what we find out is well, that he supposedly he is he, the one. Yeah, but he raised her or something, right? And then she disappeared. So he's and ran the off. one that rescued her when she hid at the beginning in right. the in the tank or whatever that is. And then we're given a sort of backstory off camera of like, oh yeah, yeah and he raised her up to a certain point, and then she went off and became like a you know a, a shoplifter or whatever the hell she was, right? Vagrant. Who, who knows? Right? <laughs> she was a dirty whatever. She was a Han Solo smuggler, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, anyway, it's a very pivotal moment where they go find his group of mercenaries. And or rebels, whichever word you want to use there, and he has a hologram of Galen Urso, her father, telling the ex- the extreme detail about the exhaust vent port that was put in place on the Death Star for the sole purpose of exposing a vulnerability so that the Death Star could be destroyed. And if I remember correctly, it's a video specifically for her. It is, and he made it for her. Um, uh, you know, if you if you're seeing this, I'm probably dead. Yeah, but you know, something's happened. Whatever, it's one of those kind of moments. But you need to know this. Get this right. to the rebel people, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. But Sagarera wouldn't apparently show that to anybody except Jin. I guess. I guess. Sure. And you know, he didn't even. It, it was funny. He was surprised when they found her. Yeah. Or when she showed up, like, hey, well, well why wouldn't you take it anyway? <laughs> so we're kind of we're kind of knocking a little bit there but that's okay let's yeah. stay the course back to your thing about rebels and what's the rebellion like it's kind of cool because there is the rebellion uh but there's also like these splinter cell people yeah. of rebellion that are uh, they're against the sort of rebellion establishment as well so sagrera's got his band of merry men that he right. has secret things and somehow galen gets the uh 
the message to Bodie, the pilot, and then Bodie somehow gets or no, Bodie has the card and he he's the okay, Bodie's the pilot guy, he gets it to Sagarera, Sagarera gets it to Jin, yeah, and then we're off to the races at this point. Yeah, and there's a great scene where um Sagarera dies and they barely escape that planet when it's the first test of the Death Star. Right. I think that's a pretty pivotal moment yes. as well. And uh director Krennic is like, No, it's not ready, we don't need to wait, we need to wait, all this other stuff and Tarkin. Uh, Tarkin's like, no, let's do it anyway. Classic fire. Tarkin. And he fires it right at the city where Saw Gerrera is, and it just, this great sequence happens where the, it basically just, this, the planet just starts to implode. It doesn't destroy the planet, but it blows up the city, and we have this great sequence of an escape. And you've got those other like nods back to the original Star Wars where it's like, okay, you see the guy pull like the switcher, and you see the green, and you see, yeah, you see the green, and you see the green laser go by. Like we know what's coming because yeah. we've seen Star Wars. We know that it's going to be devastation, and, and then we at that point we had only ever seen you know the only destruction we'd ever seen from the Death Star if we've only watched Episode Four was Alderaan blowing up right. uh, from the Millennium Falcon. Here we see it from the ground level, yes, and we see it just decimating, and it's a big storm of you know a, the worst sandstorm ever, like a nuke shot. I thought the, I thought the mummy was going to jump out of it at some point, <laughs> but he didn't. And then they they of course escape in a ship just in time, and Sagarera just stands there with his. Uh, scuba mask on and then uh he sacrifices himself yeah like that that is weird he didn't even attempt to get whatever a but lo- a lot but of, then we're off to the races yeah a lot of people that i'm, I'm reading are confused about the purpose of saw Gerrera and the the time spent on that planet but i would say that i think it's one of the turning points leading into what is kind of the act one act two turning point uh, of the whole film sure where you're you're driving this narrative to where okay the first thing, the first whole act is Jen getting captured, Jen uh, meeting the rebels, and then Jen has to go find. They establish the mission is to get the Rogue One plans. Yeah, we have to figure out how to get the Rogue One plans, so we have to go find Saw Gerrera because he's mm-hmm. going to know. Yep. So once they have that, it's like you said, it's off to the races. Uh, act two is all about uh, getting the actual plans themselves from Galen or some other way. So I think it is a huge really pivotal turning point and the fact that people don't uh, recognize that you know it scares me a little bit go back and see it again if you didn't really pick up on that because it's a big point point. and the other thing about uh, like what's Sagarera's character you know maybe we're now with what we've seen with this new trailer for star wars rebels i feel like we're going to get a lot more of a backstory about him in that oh, which yeah. is which is disney's marketing at its finest like oh yeah. oh yeah you don't know about that guy you should probably watch this show oh okay disney sure here's some more money yeah right um but yeah, we're off the races, and then we start to meet everybody else, all these other characters, and we get thrown into a, a bit of a, a dirty dozen kind of uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's we've that's. Let me take a step back there. Uh, Saw Gerrera becomes the first mentor character in the movie to die. Check that off the things that need to be in a Star Wars movie list, yes. right? Yeah. Well, back to your point earlier about nods to the other films. Uh, there were a lot of these, yes. um, and there, we've written a few of them down that we specifically want to call out. So, what was the first one that you really uh, that stood out to you? So, as they're walking through the the marketplace area, and this is after um, they've started on their way and. Uh, we've met uh, uh, Cassian at this point. Just before we meet uh, Chirrut, played by Donnie Yen and Bay's um, uh, Malbus. Yeah, Bay's Bay's Malbus. Uh, we we end up in a market situation, and as they're walking through the market to get to where they need to get to to do the next thing, they bump shoulders and run into Doctor Evazan from Star Wars. Like, I'm a wanted man on Ten Systems, the guy that like Obi Wan chops his arm off in, right. in the cantina in Star Wars, right? And Walrus Man, I think the guy's name is Ponda Baba. I want to say. Well, we'll check. We'll Walrus get, Man is yeah. better. Walrus <laughs> Man. That's what the character was called on the action figure when oh, I was a kid. Nice. That's that's okay. that's a true story. But I believe his name is literally Ponda Baba. I believe. 
We'll check Wikipedia on that. Um, and this city you're talking about is the one on where Saul Guerrero's uh, base is, and it's that city that has the starship floating over the top of it. Is it? So it's infested with stormtroopers. Oh, that's right. Okay. And they're trying to navigate, sneak around in the city. Uh, and there's a moment where they meet Chirrut and Baze, and he re- he feels the force or something in the the crystal that she has around her neck, right? So we always kind of wondered, and I think we can speculate on this endlessly about whether or not Donnie Yen's character Chirrut was a Jedi or not, or he at least had an awareness of the Force uh, about him because I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. Yeah. Just constantly throughout the film, there's references to that. And he's blind, which is also an interesting uh, spin on that. I, I didn't see that part coming either. I think the one that I would bring up that really hit home for me was kind of we saw Jimmy Smith's again. Yes, twice. Yeah, twice, actually. And there was, there was one that confused me where in the beginning when she was being interrogated, but she had been captured by the rebels, and she, uh, Jen Urso had, and she was being interrogated and all of that stuff by the rebel council. And for some reason, Jimmy Smith's emerges out of the shadow, doesn't deliver any lines, doesn't say anything. And then they just cut to the next scene. That yeah. threw me for a loop, and I didn't know what to make of that when I in saw it. In our theater, we got the, oh, like the clap, like there yeah. he is. Which, you know, he's a big part in, in episode three about, like, okay, I'm going to take Leia. And he goes off in one direction. He shows up a lot in uh, the Clone Wars cartoon. Um, actually, that would take place before three. He shows up, I think, in Rebels. But it, it's he's one of the big rebellion guys. He's right. a senator or a former senator because there is no senator, you know. And he's one of the guys that is, I guess we'll call him King of Alderaan. I don't know, okay. but yeah, to see him and then to see him in, in the, in this, in this sort of, uh, you know, inner circle of the rebellion, you're like, okay, good. He's here. So at least we know that, you know, this is the real deal, but they've gone through such great lengths to recreate Yavin for that rebel base from star Wars, including the, like the guys in the, like the turret towers, like high above right. with the macro binoculars. Like we, we had see two it. classic shots of that, by the way, where yeah. the ship flies away mm-hmm. and, you know, that the throwback sure. kind of thing. And so we, we're in, again, it's all about the familiarity. We're in a familiar place. We don't have to question things. We just know what's going on. You, yeah. you question like, why do we just see him for a split second? It's just to know that he's it's there. I think yep. I just think that it's like, okay, he's here. That's cool. The uh, second one where Jim Smith showed up though, was at the end um, when they were trying to get the plans away Yep. From, after they had gotten him off Scarif, they had uploaded him to the, the rebel starship and they needed to get them to somebody they could trust. And Smith goes, I know somebody, I have somebody I can trust. And you hear, he walks away, and you hear him uh, call out for Captain Antilles. Right. And I thought that was a, a pretty cool uh, throwback as well. Right, because my first thought was like, oh, he's going to give it to Leia. But we have no – at that point in the movie, we have no idea that they're going to do the Carrie Fisher-Leia thing, which, right. again, was like the big surprise at the end. Oh, we ruined it. But, again, you've seen this. So, yeah, that was cool. And Captain Antilles is the pilot of Tanta Four, the big ship, when – when we start Star Wars and we crawl down and the Star Destroyer is chasing it. And he's yep. referenced by 3PO in Star Wars, Captain Antilles. Again, another familiar thing. Um, they also used some of the pilot shots, like stuff that they used from shooting Star Wars. Some of those pilots that were in the original yeah, Death Star. Yeah, Red Leader and Gold yeah. Leader. Yeah. Copy that, Gold Leader. Like yeah. that guy's in there. The guy, I think, from Strange Brew is in But what in do you it. mean it's old? So they actually pulled archival footage yes. from the old films yes. and remastered it? And Yeah. So the guys, there, there, are two, there are two pilots that we see in, in uh, X-Wing fighters in that space battle. That were from Episode Four. They took, yeah, that they took wow. footage and, and redid stuff or maybe some outtakes or whatever and just used it. That's, That's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. So that was huge. Yeah. We did finally, we, we got to see uh, 3PO and R2-D2. Yep. That was uh, just a throw, the end of there. It's a throwaway, but yep. yeah. We get it's, to, it's fan service. But right. it makes sense. They should be nearby if they, eventually they're going to end up on Captain Antilles' ship, right? I well, mean, at that point they were, as far as I, I, I believe. I thought we saw them in like a rebel hangar, didn't we? As they were taking uh, off from Yavin? Did maybe. I make that up? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. I think you might be okay. right there. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of the ones that stood out for me as far as uh, throwbacks and and references to the other films, and we they can really just use those to connect, build some cohesive. It's so and it's so important to just make this movie work. If you if because the the whole question going in is like, well, it's a it's a Star Wars story. It's like, well, you know, once you have that sort of like, okay, I've been here before, you can kind of accept everything else that's going to happen because you're in a familiar place, in my opinion. Yeah. So then you don't question as much. Like, like we, we question Sagarera a little bit. It's like, well, what's that guy? Because we don't know him. But once we're in the uh, the Rebel base, and once we start to see Stormtroopers and Vader, we're like, okay, we're in this world. Not that we weren't. Well, let's but- talk about that for a second. So we, if we lay out the timeline of the course of the major episodes, yeah. one through seven, yeah. uh, Rogue One fits in between episode three and episode four in that timeline, I would argue, all it's, but perfectly. Yeah, it's like episode 3.95. Yeah, it's it's. What did you say? It's like ends like ten minutes right before if that. the events I mean, of if opening that. of, of uh, New Hope. If that, I mean, it's the Tana Four. You know, takes off. We see it fly away, and we know that Vader's in pursuit. We don't see that star destroyer chase it. We pick that up after the opening crawl in Episode Four. Yep. And that, oh, that's the other thing as well. The opening. If go back and really pay attention, uh, you and the listeners, to what is said in the opening crawl, because even though that was in seventy seven, yeah, it it all lines up. Like they, they must have gone to excruciating lengths, uh, Gilroy and Whites at least, to make sure that all of the things that were in the opening crawl of Episode Four were at least referenced or part of the story by name or character or names of ships or any of that kind of stuff or planets, whatever. Uh, but it, all, if you look at the little details that are in the opening crawl of Episode Four, it it's so perfect. And that amazes me that they were able to pull that off. It's not like they were just like, let's cash in on another Star Wars movie. Right. They they went that to was episode great, seven. Right. They eh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll disagree on that until the end of time. But yes. they, you're right. They went to great lengths to make sure that everything connected, and that's a, a kudos to all of them. Let's just talk about. Let's just break down the characters overall, just real quick. Well, let's yeah. run through them. So we'll get to Jen at the end. But her father, Galen Erso, is an, is is. A, a, he's a, the new Uncle Ben, kind of. <laughs> he's yeah. a moisture farmer. Yeah, and and he's a he, he was very good at being the the loving father, and he was he was ready to sacrifice himself for his family. He watches his wife die. He didn't want that to happen. Krennic kills his wife immediately. Krennic's a bad guy. You know, you hate him. And the, but what did she do before when they first saw? Oh yeah, this is a big one. Yeah, this is a big deal, and and I think this is another reason why Forrest Whitaker's character was more important than most people give him credit for. In the opening five minutes of the film, you see Director Krennic's ship doing these beautiful fly shots right. through the planet to come and land where on their moisture farm. And the first thing his wife does is like Skype calls Saw Gerrera. Good point. I forgot Saw, about that. It's happening, right? Yeah. And you get this reference of Galen looks at young Jen and says, "You know what to do." And they go to the the hideaway, right? It's like it's like in Superman when Jor El knows that he's about to bite it. Yep. And he's going to send his kid off to to Earth to save them. Kind of the same sort of thing. They know they're toast at yep. this point. Galen may may not know that he's going to die, but he knows it's it's not going to end well. Yeah. So they do whatever they can, just like any good parents would do, to figure out a way to make sure their kid survives and all that. And as a father, that was very important to me. So to re- to kind of recap a little bit, Galen Urso is the original architect of the Death Star. Right. I think that need, that's worth saying a couple of times. He is the guy yeah. that designed the Death Star. And I think that's pivotal throughout the entire history of, of the Star Wars universe and why it's so important to this. Reluctantly designed the Death Star. Yes. It's like the guys that designed the atomic bomb. They didn't want to do it, but right. they, 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 they were figured told it out. They right. had to do it. And then 
um, he was a rebel enough to design it with a flaw that could hopefully be exploited if he was good enough to get those things away. So he's he is the ultimate rebel. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what I would consider the male lead sure. throughout the film. Sure. Um, whether he was cast that way or not, he kind of carried the the story arc of the film, right? Is uh, Cassian Andor. And I don't really know what his backstory was. His job, it was kind of in a mercenary way, was to go out and find Jin. Yeah. And that was all the development that we really got out of him. So he did. He went but out he's, and found her. And, but he's also trying to get to Saw, right? Isn't he? Uh, I, I don't feel know. Like, I feel like he is. Uh, I think there's some, again, there's some kind of motivation once. there, and I, it's it's one of the characters that I didn't feel like got developed enough. Sure, um, but he had sure, very be a comic book or something. Right, right. <laughs> there'll be some side shoot somewhere there yeah. about Cassie and Andor, right? And the the the, the regales of Cassie and Andor, you know. But uh, it feels like he's very much a, a mercenary, very skilled tracker, you know, that kind of. He can handle himself. He in a can fight. handle himself, right? And so he's tasked with the uh, to get to take Jen by the Rebel Council. He's tasked to take Jen to I forget the planet, but it's where Galen's like that outpost. Oh, I forget in the dark rainy one, right? And uh, is it so Jedu or Jedo Jadu Jadu is that right? Yeah, something like that. Je, not Jedda. Jada. Which uh, Jenna? Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, by this point, we've met the pilot who is another one. Uh, his name's Bodie. Yep. And he is a captured or a defected um, Imperial pilot that flies cargo freighters, right? Mm-hmm. So he claims to have information on the location of Galen Erso because he has flown a freighter to there for whatever reason, right? Delivered stuff to Galen, right? So for some reason, he wants to defect. We don't really know why. It's not really developed that much. But ultimately, and- he ends up imprisoned by Saw Gerrera, who then we find uh, Cassian and Jen end up in Saw Gerrera. There's a moment where Cassian is in prison next to him, and he goes, right. oh, you're the pilot. Yeah. So when they fire the Death Star at the, at the thing, now you've got the pilot, Cassian, Jen, all together. At this point, she's seen the hologram from her father, knows how to get the plans. It's on Scarif, all of that stuff. That's all discovered Right there in, in that kind of moment. Another huge kind of pivotal scene that's included with that. So now we get the pilot that gets away, helps him fly the ship, get away. We also get introduced to K2SO, which yep. is another one we should talk about. Yep. Uh, and that brilliant performance there. Um, so a lot of this stuff happens right there in that moment, uh, in that turning point, right? Isn't that also where we meet Chirrut and uh, – well, no, they, they meet Chirrut. Or Chirrut and Baze are also imprisoned with him as Correct. well, right? So Correct. we have everybody that's going to be on the on the mission at this point in the jail, and that's how they all eventually get together. Yes. Remember the battle that happened between the yes. stormtroopers right. and Saw's rebels in the city? That's what puts them in the jail. That's where they meet the pilot, and then yeah. Death Star hits, and then they go. Cassian shot yeah. one yep, yep, of yep. the rebel guys, Saw's rebels, and they took him and imprisoned him, all that stuff, right? So that's how it all comes together. But the moment where it all gels – is when they when she sees the hologram, Saw dies, uh, and or they blow up the the thing with the Death Star. They blow up the city, right? And then they take the ship to Yavin Four, and then we and then yes. they're like, okay, we got her. Here she is, and then we're off to the races. Yes. Okay, so back to our talking about the characters. Yes, we talked about Cassian. My thing about Cassian is he's got a bit of like a roguish. That's the wrong word to use, <laughs> or or a pun. Um, of he's got a bit of a Han Solo quality to him. Uh, he's but not like a not like a smarmy like uh, slick dude. But he's more of like a he has that like turning point like a Han Solo does, where he's all about the mission, and and then he decides no 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 this this is the right thing to do. Where he is about to uh, snipe Galen from afar when they actually go to get Galen off of that planet. And again, I don't remember the the name. And then he kind of has that second thought and realizes that that's not the right thing to do. 
just like Han Solo after he left in episode four suddenly shows up at the end to help Luke take down the Death Star. Same thing. And then there's a bit of a, we need like a love interest. He becomes that love interest. Um, he realizes what he's fighting for. Uh, a strong, strong performance by Diego Luna. And I was happy with him. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, strong performances. You got to give Ben Mendelsohn credit for just chewing up scenery as director Krennic. And absolutely. like, you, and you hated him, you hated him. And if, if you hate him, True that means, heel. yeah. And if you hate him, that means he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, and again, you, you alluded to KTSO or K2SO. Um, and I don't know why, uh, droids have to have a letter, then a number and then a letter and then a number or C3PO, KTSO, uh, whatever. But I saw him as a combination of R2 and 3PO. I agree with that, but not as like not as uh, as flippant as three PO per se, but more of like he was the comic relief, but he was also a droid that was like a protocol droid, but he was also a droid that was a bit of an astromech too, because he could plug into the systems and he could and he could fight. That's a whole different thing that we'd seen from like droids, other than say. General I love the Grievous. whole thing about he kept, he kept wanting a gun, but they wouldn't give him one. Right. I thought that was hilarious. And when they finally do, he uses it right when he's right. when he's protecting them from getting the plans. Um, again, all uh, all sort of motion capture slash uh, body stuff done by Alan Tudyk and then his voice work, which he's done millions of things. Uh, he, he was absolutely great. What else can we say about Krennic? Because I feel like we haven't really talked about him enough. I mean, we see him so much throughout the entire story from the opening to the very end yeah. uh, until he dies on, on Scarif. Uh, at the end of that that bit, right? Well, you need you need your your main bad guy. You need the bad guy that you're going to defeat, other than other than defeat. But you're surrounded by bad guys. You've but got you Vader, need but you need that Tarkin, ma- you need that main one because there is no Emperor full time. There is no Vader full time. There is no. I guess Tarkin was kind of the bad guy in 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 Star Wars, but yeah. you know he never really like in this one. I guess we should get to this point now and talk about Tarkin. It's a it's a big deal that this guy was in it again. What did you think of the CGI? I bought it. It took you out of it at the beginning, though, right? Because he's a little too shiny. But then once you're just once you accept it, it's yeah. really cool that he's once there. You get past, I mean, if it was that 48 frames per second kind of stuff that yeah. Peter Jackson was using, where it's just it would be very, very obvious that it was CGI. Yeah. But I think it was you know graded very well. It was it blended very well. Uh, it was obvious that it was CGI, same the way that it was with Leia at the end. You know, yeah. but who cares? They took. A, I, I think care. they took a lot of time to make sure that it was as good as it could possibly look. And I'm, everything I've read is that they spent. Uh, it was the most expensive CGI stuff, cap CGI shot sure. ever. And apparently they had all the blessings from Peter Cushing's estate, which makes it even cooler. Wow, so. that's awesome. Um, yeah, so Krennic, Tarkin, uh, who eventually becomes, we talked about Grand Moff Tarkin, the yep. governor of governors yep. eventually. Well, last but certainly not least is our main protagonist, Jen Urso, played by Felicity Jones. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And for many, many reasons, um, she fit right into that kind of rebel pose. She was afflicted. She was pissed off. She's lost her family. Yep. All carrying the weight of all that stuff. You could feel it. And one of the things that we alluded to uh, recently in another show was uh, one of my most respected reviewers, Mark Kermode, drew a lineage between her character and Ripley, Sigourney Weaver's character from Aliens, from that universe, and how her posture and how she carries herself and all that stuff. And it feels like maybe that role was studied a little bit to go into the Jen Erso role. We even saw... um, one of the producers, Alan Schirmer, Schirmer, Schirmer. I think it was Allison Schmier. Schmier, Uh <laughs> Even had a, a big press she's, article. She's not listening. We're fine. Right. <laughs> she revealed why she loved the character of Jen, car- comparing her to Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley from the Alien franchise. So I felt this. 
I felt that, but I didn't really identify it when I was watching it sure. either time. Uh, or the first time, I should say. The second time I had read the article at this point, and I really watched it, and it's spot on. You know me. I'm a huge Aliens geek. Yep. And it is it is almost like a young Ellen Ripley uh, playing that Jen Erso part. And it's it, the, the movie does not work without her owning that role and nailing it and being like a person that you care for and yep. that you want to see her succeed, even though she kind of – well, she does succeed. Yeah. Um, the, the amount of just shit that she's gone through in her life to get to the point where that she's almost going to be reunited with her father, and the moment that she does, her father gets wiped out. That sucks, and now she's got even more motivation to take these guys down, and you're with her every step of the way. And Felicity Jones performs like that. You want her – you're on her side the entire time. She has a bit of like not only Ripley – she has a bit of like Sarah Connor to her, mm-hmm. that, that sort of like that anti-establishment thing. You know, I, I, another strong female character in a movie, Love in a Star it. Wars movie. And that's two in a row now that we've had. And, and that's a, a, a big thing. We need more girl role models for little girls. And, and I think uh, it's, it's just an amazing thing. I'm, I'm so happy with her performance. I do want to know a little bit about what happened to her in, like, in between when she was a kid when we met her. But I don't know if it's going to be that much of a story other than like she stole some gum from um right aid or something like that <laughs> on some weird place <laughs> right <laughs> right aid on you having four yeah um so let's talk about kind of i want to spend the last little bit of this talking about a couple of different future sort of things um does this standalone story concept concept work within the star wars universe i think it does in this case for sure because we actually it's a standalone story that that leads into a story that we already know well it fits into that timeline slot perfectly right but any kind of other offshoots that where that may not be the goal would that still have been the same success well sure it it was in a much longer form when you say in Star Wars, you know, uh, your father fought in the Clone Wars. Like, what are the Clone Wars? And then in Episode One, Two, and you know, we were like, what are the Clone Wars? And then they've made this entire cartoon series of six seasons that shows us the Clone Wars. Awesome, right? Um, you could call that a standalone. It's not a standalone. It's sure. six. It's sixty hours or whatever the hell it is. But yes, you're you're asking a question. Is is the, does the standalone concept work? I think it absolutely does. I agree with And that. we've established the, the new protocol. Like, okay, it's not going to have the opening crawl. It's going to exist in the world. We're going to have music, and that's a big thing we'll talk about in a second, music that and, and places and things that you're familiar with that just work. It works in Star Wars Rebels. It works in the Clone Wars. Um, those are stories that all connect. And that's, that's the biggest thing. The standalone movies, if they keep making them, which we're talking about a Han Solo movie, that's definitely going to go. We're talking about a potential Boba Fett movie. That's going to go, probably. Uh, there's potential Obi-Wan movies with Ewan McGregor, like somewhere between episodes. Like, what the hell was Obi-Wan doing on Tatooine while he's sitting there waiting for Luke to grow up? Right. That's boring, right? Well, apparently it wasn't uh, if they're going to make an Obi-Wan movie. The main idea is standalone movies work as long as it connects. If it's just like, what happened to Boba Fett in the Sarlacc pit? that's not a movie he was slowly digested over a thousand years how did han solo become han solo i don't think the han solo movie is going to end with him turning into harrison ford I think how did that, he meet chewbacca that's the that's, story yeah. that's the story you want you want the story of like he was he was an imperial in the imperial academy and he was like i don't like this shit i'm getting out of here i'm gonna uh, go smuggle drugs yeah i'm gonna go smuggle great. stuff and at, at some point he saves a wookie's life and the wookie is indebted to him for life right. that's the story and it's some maybe somewhere along the line he meets lando which Donald Glover is playing Lando in that movie. So we, mm. we'll get that story. How did he get the Millennium Brilliant Falcon? Casting, by the way. How did he get the Millennium Falcon? It's historically, in the Star Wars universe that we don't know if it is the Disney canon or not, he won it in a card game. 
from Lando. Yeah. So at some point, they'll have to. We, we want to see them on their adventures of doing stuff. It was in uh, Return of the Jedi. Lando reference still references it as his ship. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's a standalone story I'd like to see. But yeah, the standalone thing works for me. I agree with that, and I think I think you nailed it when you said as long as it connects. There has to be that. I think the reason Rogue One uh, did so well is because of those little connections and not throwaways, yeah. but throwbacks and things like oh oh yeah. There was you talk. Recognize all. There that. was talk of a Yoda movie. I don't know what the full story of Yoda would be. Like after Episode Three, he goes off to Dagobah and, and then sits there and waits for uh, 120 years or whatever. whatever. It is. I don't think it takes that long for Luke to grow up, but <laughs> right. Um, and at a certain point, he has to go back to Dagobah, and like, what's the reason behind that dark cave when Luke goes in there and fights like uh, a Phantom Vader, and then his head's in there? There's got to be a reason that that place is a dark place for some reason. So maybe Yoda fought somebody there. I don't know. But if again, if it connects, like you said, I'll see it. Uh, so you mentioned the music um, to kind of close things off here. What um, we've talked about the G- Michael Giacchino uh, being the composer, getting it done in less than a month or yeah, five weeks or four whatever and a half it was, weeks or something like that. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Yep. It felt like Star Wars yep. music. It had the same kind of, again, the connections, the little, what did you call them, Linden chord progressions? Uh, Lydian, whatever. It sounds like John Williams music, but without being John Williams music. So he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't make a point of being like, I'm going to make all my new themes. He was, he was respectful enough, and, and he let the certain John Williams themes hit at certain points. Like when you hear about the Force, you hear that the Force theme. Uh, did Leia? Did they play Leia's theme when Leia shows up at the I end? I don't know. Uh, there were nods to the Imperial March, I believe. In at some point, didn't they do like little subtle things to that? Am yes. I wrong? Yeah, little cues. Okay, uh, but the, like the slow mo kind of sure. But yeah. there's enough of like that. Just it, it it moved the movie. It didn't draw attention to itself. It works, and and I hope that he gets to do Episode Nine if William says I'm not doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. I, if he continue, if Ray's going to continue to be in it, yeah, which we'll is see. speculation at this point. Well, uh, I hope no, so. There's no way Ray's not in episode nine. Well, okay. That's the thing that I wanted to kind of close the show off with is we have a timeline all the way out, I believe, to episode 10. I think they've got at least nine is, is already established. Sure. I they're, guess they're going to do You're that. right. They could keep going. There's no reason to really stop now that they've got these new characters. Yeah. They've just got to find something to do besides blow up Death Stars. Or planet killers, right? <laughs> yeah, there, there's got to be a good greater point. purpose out good there. Because if you look at the the whole timeline, that's all they that they've done is try to blow up planet which, killers. Which, right? if you if we want to end it with like things that are don't make sense, which we shouldn't, because we're both big fans. If you haven't, how long have we talked about this now for like 45 minutes? Yeah. Like we're obviously big fans. We loved everything about it. We want to talk about it at length. But okay. So he built the plans in the first first Death Star. They're like they're like okay. So now they know that when they build the Return of the Jedi Death Star, but that one gets blown up. Yep. Because ships are able to fly down the turret or down the trench and get into the inside of it and blow up the core in the middle of it. Guess what happens in episode seven? Same thing. Except like it's super mega death star. <laughs> right. It's the star killer <laughs> star base killer. or whatever the hell it is, right? Yeah. So you would think that they would have learned from their mistakes, but then again, bad guys don't learn from their mistakes. That's always the bad guy's downfall. Like, right. ah, we'll make it bigger and better. They'll never do it again. Has anything been established do. about episode eight, like what the story is oh, no. going to kind of be? No, is it we'll, super top secret still? Sure, it's super top secret. I mean, I'm we're, sure. into, we're less than a year away from it. Oh, now, I know. Right? We're probably going to get a trailer in April, and then the world's going to go nutso, and I will too. But um, back to back to Rogue One. I, 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 I love this movie. I can't wait to see it again. You've seen it twice. It absolutely belongs in the Star Wars universe. It is a. It is now an important piece of of the lore and of the story. And again, we know why. Just Leia putting those plans in R 2s head is such a pivotal moment in the entire Star Wars story. It changed everything for me uh, in that sense. It gave that so much weight 
that the level of desperation uh, of running it down the hall while Vader's coming in, all of that stuff, right? And then if you watch the beginning of the first ten minutes of Episode Four, Leia comes out and talks shit to to Vader, and there, while he's choking some guy against the wall, right. menacing him, and it's, it, but her sneaking it into that just gives it so much more weight now. Um, I'm interested to see where they go. I I don't I think what I want to finish off by saying is I don't know that I could watch the Star Wars series anymore without Rogue One being a part of it. That's a really good thing. It is so it's a really good thing here. It's a great pivotal, point. Uh, to the storyline now. Now that they've exposed me to all of that data, that information yeah. of the story and that lore, I I can't see it without it. It'd be it'd be like watching you know Lord of the Rings without two towers. Sure. Would you like to know more? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to me, it's it's a story of redemption. It's a story of hope it's a story of sacrifice and there's a bit of a mission impossible thrown in there as well just to keep you like it's it's almost like an espionage thriller oh that's a a great analogy but it's a star wars movie at the same time and it's fantastic yeah there's all kinds of clandestine activity and you've got defecting you know imperials and all of that stuff you know you got mole i guess the pilot would be a mole to get him in what was the oh one last little fun thing right uh, to wrap it up here, you mentioned that there was a Rogue 2 and a Rogue 3 in the X-Wings, but there was never a Rogue 1 call sign. So, okay, this is the last thing I'll say, and, and this could just be another example of them just really like paying attention to detail, which is, again, amazing. And if I'm right about this, I could be wrong. So, in the in Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back, yep. right, the Snowspeeders are looking around trying to find Han, who's got Luke, you know, stuffed in the Tauntaun, right? right? And they're like... Rogue two and rogue three. We never hear of a rogue one. So we can all speculate and just think that it's cool <laughs> that, you know, because rogue one was that was the call sign for that group that they've just sort of, they've just retired that number, so to speak. Right. Interesting. Hung it in the oh, rafters. Yeah. That's right. Oh man. That's deep. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, that's deep. But listen, uh, we hope that you guys have enjoyed just us sitting around here and talking about rogue one and Hey, as always, we want to hear your thoughts about it. Absolutely. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on the website. Tell us what you guys think. We want to hear if you guys hated it and why, and if you think we're idiots for things that we said. We want to know. <laughs> we will debate you and, and have a good time and chat with you about Star Wars until the cows come home. Yeah, and I had a good time doing this, and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, well, we're going to go see it again soon. Uh, we want to do a bunch more of these kinds of bonus special episodes. If there's anything that you guys would like to hear us cover specifically in excruciating detail like this, uh, please let us know uh as always i'm nick howell you can find me over on twitter at data center dude and i am andy nelson you can find me at andy nelson 76 on twitter and i will probably be looking at wikipedia when you hit me (laughs) up on twitter well guys uh come join us on facebook leave us some comments uh, leave us a review on the itunes store let us know what you think that's going to do it for this bonus episode on rogue one going rogue and going later bye This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.